Welcome to Tech Law Chat, our series of Coffee Break podcasts from Four Pound Court. I'm Matthew Levy. And I'm Ian Munro. And today's topic is ransomware. And specifically, it's about what needs to happen when a company falls victim into a particular kind of ransomware attack. Ian, what's the scenario? Carlos Perez, the general counsel of the semiconductor fabricator, has got in touch and he wants some advice from us. So, one of the server clusters on which they store clients' chip designs has been subject to a ransomware attack yesterday. The IT function has confirmed that they've got up-to-date backups that weren't infected, and even if all the data is destroyed by the attacker, the server could be safely restored. So, with all that in mind, they've decided not to pay. Right, so what's the problem then? The problem is, that doesn't solve it. A couple of hours ago, Carlos's head of engineering, Dan, got an email expressing disappointment that the ransom had not been paid. That email said somewhat cryptically, by the time the last firework has sung its song on Guy Fawkes Night, major customer will find that its next generation processors have been taken from its network and published online. Uh, that's rather sinister. Uh, the uh, By the processors, you mean the blueprints, presumably? Exactly. So what have done since, apart from getting Carlos on the case and ringing you? Well, they've got this data breach policy, and they've been through that. But turns out, not much use, because it's entirely geared towards data protection breaches. And so it's got steps like reporting to the ICO or informing data subjects. And that really doesn't apply here. They've got their IT guys looking into what happened, and they're considering what went wrong with their defences. But they're doing things like putting together a budget request for better cyber protection. Right, which is all good stuff, but there's time for that in due course. So the priority I would have thought at this stage is to work out whether the attackers are bluffing or whether they really can exfiltrate the blueprints. Exactly. I really think Carl is dropping the ball here. They're definitely still in the system and IT can see unusual network activity, (laughs) and they have no idea if any data has been taken. They need to take action now. Right. I'm going to ring Michael Brown of Northwall Cyber to see if he can help us here. Michael Brown, can I help you? Hi, Michael. Matthew Lavey here. How's it going? Good, very well. What can I help you with, Matt? Quick question, if I may. A client of ours has had a ransomware attack. Mm. They didn't pay because they had backups, and they thought it was all over, But now the head of engineering's had an email saying that highly confidential technical data, it's blueprints from a client's chip, is going to be leaked online on Thursday. The in-house IT guys are trying to work out what's what, but to be honest, there doesn't seem to be very much urgency to it, and we really need to try and instill some. Really? At this point, speed is of the essence. So what should they actually do? Okay, so the first thing that we need to do is we need to start deploying some responders into the network. And we need to start actually installing network taps, looking at logs, checking IP flows. We need to go to the machine that was first encrypted and look at it, start to examine the logs from there and start building a timeline. What are we looking for? Where they are now and where they have been. And then from that, trying to understand what their motivations are and what systems are they likely to attack next so that we could then go and defend it. Right. And then the other things that we need to think about, and we should keep the tight, the circle very tight on who we're communicating to, because it's not clear yet, or we may have addressed ourselves to this, whether it's an insider or an outsider. Yes, that is a sobering thought. I hadn't um, discussed actually that with our client contacts, so we'll do that. 
Now, the ransomware attack appears to have affected a specific cluster of servers, and the client's concern is to make sure the documents on those servers don't get exfiltrated. Yeah. But I think you're proposing a rather more wide-ranging investigation. Yes, and, and, and I think that really, if you were hiring Northwell Cyber in order to do this job, what we would do is we would probably have two or three streams. One of the streams might be looking at the EDA system where the chip design is held. And we would do an analysis on the logs there, look at traffic that comes back and forth. It could very well be that that's on its own subnet in a server room somewhere. We'd look at that and then also try and understand whether or not where those plans also go to, because they could also exist on people's individual machines. They could sit inside of email. They could sit inside of the chip manufacturing plant. So there's lots of different places where that data could be leaked from. And what we need to start to do is tie down the various exposure points and look at them and decide whether or not they've been exposed. But really the first and foremost, and probably the most important thing that we do is that we take control of the network and we lock them out of it. We can't have an adversary in our system. Yes. And by going through that process, you hopefully narrow down the possible routes to the documents being exfiltrated from the network. Absolutely. And again, looking at the insider-outsider axiom, it's very possible that it is an insider who could exfiltrate the whole thing on a thumb drive. I mean, so we really need to understand. And what will be very instructive is, is if we look at the genesis, so machine zero, how did this come in? If we could start to identify that, that gives us a thread that we start to pull on, that starts to get us to all the places that our adversaries have been. Thanks, Michael. That's really, really helpful. Excellent. We'll let Carlos know that uh, I'm wishing him well. And if he needs help, uh, we can be deployed there in a few hours. Right, well, I'd better pass all that on to Carlos. Meanwhile, we should think about whether there are any legal steps we can sensibly take, injunctions and so on, to prevent the publication of technical data, or at least restrict its dissemination. Yes, so in theory, we could look at an injunction to prevent publication. But the problem is, where can we usefully serve it? We've got no idea where publication is going to occur if it does. We have no idea what the platforms involved are, and we have no idea what jurisdiction it'll be in. So I suspect at this stage, it's going to be a bit of a waste of time. I agree. After the event, we may be able to look at, say, restricting publication or dissemination by targeting specific platforms where it's being hosted. But even then, that's unlikely to do much good here, particularly as this is data that, if it's going to be misused, only needs to reach a handful of operators in the market. Well, quite. The other angle here is we'd better look at the contracts between our clients and... uh to see what the obligations are that our client actually has in relation to next steps, notification, and so on. And regardless of any express contractual obligation, Carlos is likely going to have to alert to what's actually going on. And we also need to look at liability exposure on the contract. That may turn on a number of things, including how the attack happened. But that's all for later. For the moment, the real focus, as Michael said, is to stop the data leaking. Yeah. Um, Can you give uh, Carlos a bell while I wrap up here? Uh, Will do. Thank you. So even though we're still in the throes of this, can still learn something from it. First, having good backups is just not a full answer to ransomware. It may allow for recovery of encrypted data, but it won't protect from other risks such as malicious publication. Second, the terror instilled in some large organisations by data protection regulators means that policies and procedures around data breach can sometimes be unduly focused 
on compliance with regulatory obligations. But of course, personal data is not the only type of sensitive data that organisations hold. The data protection legislation is also just not the only source of obligations. Service providers holding sensitive technical information on behalf of third parties need to consider all types of data when designing policies and procedures. Third, in the event of a cyber attack, time is of the essence. But so is keeping an open mind. It could be, and often is, an inside job. Finally, faced with the threat of a data breach by persons unknown, an injunction probably won't do much good. The defences to cyber attacks need to be much more proactive than reactive. Yes, and as we'll discuss on the next episode, when responding to a cyber attack, it's crucial to know what obligations you owe to your clients in contract and in tort, and how that liability might be mitigated. Thank you for listening to us chat about ransomware attacks. For references and citations, visit us at techlaw.chat. And if you feel so inclined, please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, Carlos. I was just about to ring you. (laughs) This podcast is provided for the purposes of general education and entertainment only and does not constitute legal advice. The presenters disclaim all liability for the consequences of reliance being placed on what they have said. The value of investments can go down as well as up and you may never recover the time devoted to listening to this podcast.